I guess we I should get it. a hard thing because we're already late because yeah. my internet. Yeah, let's get started. <sighs> you want me to do the intro? Yeah, go on. You can do the intro. Okay, let's see if I can say without stumbling. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you do, honey. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to episode four, season two of Bulgarian and Beyond. This is a show where we explore magical worlds chapter by chapter, and we're beginning with the Bulgariad series of books by David Eddings. This season is about book two, Queen of Sorcery. Hey, Sandra. Hey, Alicia. I'm good. How are you doing, honey? I'm doing really good. Yeah? Really good. We'll talk more about that in Polgaris Cup and... Uh, later in Prophecy Speaks. Okay, but cool. Let's just go straight into Polgara's cup. Tell me about your week. What's your potion look like? Uh, I just put that it's been sweet. Keeping it simple this week. Um, it started with, because remember last week I was, my prophecy was about how to stop being frustrated all the time. Like every day something would frustrate me. Mm-hmm. And it must have been a couple of days after that or something that or even over the weekend that a friend recommended this book to me and it was $2 on Kindle. So I got it immediately because something about it just appealed to me. And I read through it literally like that night and next morning I was done. Uh, And it kind of just changed my perspective on exactly that topic. Are you going to name it later or? Yeah, it's the book I'm going to use in Prophecy Speaks. Okay, cool. Because I want to know the name of it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really, really good. Excellent. Favorite. So that changed a lot for me. Um, and it also, it's, all, it's helped me with the frustration stuff, but it's also helped me to find like peace with doing the best that I can do. Yeah. Uh, and, and honoring the stuff that I do accomplish rather than focusing on all the stuff I didn't get to do. Oh, that's huge. Um, yeah. Because uh, last week I was in this place of like, oh my gosh, like I'm not going to finish this book when I want to finish it. It's going slow, slow right now. Yeah. Instead of being like, you know what? You sat down and and focused on this scene today Uh and you got it done. Even with your kids coming in and out being like, hey mom, hey mom, hey, Uh can you help me with this? And so I've just shifted that and it's felt a lot better fantastic Um, i'm so pleased for you that was our whole conversation really last week wasn't it yeah yeah it was a big part of it anyway mm -hmm. a lot of it was this book because it also as soon as i finished reading it i finally decided like putting myself out there as an author Mm -hmm. nothing has really really happened yet but i actually dialed the library and spoke to somebody about what they offer for local authors which was a huge thing for me because I've been putting that off for I'd say at least a year well I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm putting it off too so what, what, what happened <laughs> tell me tell me well he said he gave me the number for like the administrative office here mm-hmm. and I did call it like 30 minutes after I spoke to him but they didn't answer mm-hmm. and it said I believe a message and I didn't 
and I've yet to call back. So I'm working up the energy. That's okay. Big, but step by step by step. Yeah. Yeah. So um, figuring that out, like how can I, it scares the hell out of me to think about speaking at a library in front of people. That's but so if I'm not going to use social media, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah, well, real life stuff. Locally. Real life yeah, stuff. Well, locally. Oh, keep going because you're inspiring me. Be my inspiration, little, little inspiration yeah. fairy. Yeah, and yesterday I went to Barnes & Noble, of all things, to return this toy my daughter bought with her allowance that she didn't want mm -hmm. to see if I could get her money back. And the guy that checked me out, it just happened that the lady in front of me was returning something, and they were having a conversation about food places and all this, and then she asked him what he was going to be doing. For the week or something and he said oh i'm gonna do this and then i'm gonna finish my book and my ears perked up like oh is he a writer you know and so she asked him about it and he said he he just published a poetry book self-published and then it sold out and so when i got up to there i was like normally i would not even yeah, yeah. not a word i would just pretend i didn't hear it but this time i actually said i said oh so how long have you been writing he told me professionally i've been writing for about two months <laughs> And he asked me if I was a writer. So I told him about what I was doing. He actually shared with me the, how Barnes and Noble uses this, this publishing company for self-publishing. He's like, that's how I got my book published. And it's actually on the shelves in the store. He's like, you could probably do the same thing. And I was so nervous after I left, I was like, shit, I don't remember this, the name of the publisher. He said, so maybe at some point I'll find him in there again and I can ask him again. But was it a, was I it told myself an in-house publisher or something? Yeah, I think so. I kept thinking he said like KPF or so, it was three letters, just like KDP. And English it started with a K. Wasn't No, it was three letters like KDP would be, but it was like KPF or something like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well. But at I'll least go you, back know, in there. you are doing, that's huge. Like those two things, that's so brave. Look at you. Yeah. I literally just, just, and this is how I know me. I walked out of Barnes and Noble, just simple conversation with one human being. My back was sweating from nerves. And I was kind of like, okay, this is why I need to do little steps. Because if I try to go to a library and speak in front of people, I'm going to have a meltdown. I have to like okay. build up to it. Like these are little opportunities being presented to you to practice talking about what you want to talk about. Yeah. You know, like one second at a time. Right. That's what I told myself after I was almost started to beat myself up for forgetting the name of the publisher. And then I said, you know what? You I don't think that was the point. No. And you yeah. can always go back yeah. and ask. Right. Right. That's true. So that, yeah, that's been my, my week has been pretty good. Very pretty good. sweet, sweetheart. Yeah. Well, my week, my potion this week is effervescent with a dry finish. Mm. So th my week itself has been quite, quite lovely. I've been feeling okay. sparkly. I've been having good days. I found an, a, my, my new favorite yoga teacher who does who's online um i can do her classes for free and she does an entire like a proper 
studio class each each class it's amazing it's the best yoga i've done ever and my body is feeling like i could do it um and but 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 i didn't listen to my body even though I was listening to my body, I just happened to disagree with what it was telling me when it told me that I probably shouldn't do this particular thing that I wanted to do to the extent that I wanted to do it. It told me, I heard it tell me, and then I went, oh, no, no, let's just give it a try. And so today I couldn't do yoga because my hip has been grumbling to me all day and on top of that I haven't been drinking enough water and so I get dehydrated Mm -hmm. um and I always know when I'm dehydrated because I don't wake up in the night to pee yeah always do at least once and I was getting nauseated and upset in the stomach. And I thought, what have I done? I haven't eaten anything wrong. I've been feeling really good. And and then and then I realized like my mouth was dry and I wasn't getting up to pee. Like three nights I didn't get up to pee. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm dehydrated. I just haven't mm-hmm. been having enough water. And that's all it was. So that could even contribute to like the hip stuff. If you're more stiff, you don't have enough fluid in your body. Oh, you're right. You're right. Well, I mean, I do have a problem with my right hip. It's I've got to protect it a little bit, but I obviously didn't protect it enough. And there was the dehydration. So yeah, mm-hmm. everything contributed, but that's, yeah, you gotta, that's what I do. I literally count my cups of water every day and make sure it's at least eight. Do you? And yeah, I have to, otherwise I'll do the same thing. The next thing I get like the headaches or the dizziness. Uh, And so, especially since I still have a cup of coffee in the morning and a glass of wine at night right now, Mm -hmm. I really have to stay on top of it. Oh, wait till we get to Prophecy Speaks talking about giving up stuff. Well, we weren't, but I was thinking I didn't drink coffee. I saw yours. (laughs) because <laughs> i have been contemplating if i should do mine on giving up wine but i changed Ooh, it to something okay else. well we'll get there in a minute so give me garyan's view huh all right so chapter what are we on? chapter three we're on chapter three okay they leave the tower finally behind the, in that crumbled city and go out on the road and they're kind of just journeying along together for a little bit and we see Garion and Lilduran again have some interaction specifically talking about a surf they see passing on the road and then they're looking uh and Paul decides they need to start thinking about where they're going to stay for the night so Lilduran offers his uncle's house that's not too far away so they go there and while they're there it's um Garion uh, overhears, this isn't over here, but he's in the room when Lildurn basically blurts out all this stuff about uh, his family. And Garion is actually able to, uh, you see him grow up 
in a sense and tell Lelderin how foolish he's being. Okay. Um, so that's yeah, a pretty that's good that. summary. Okay, so into Wolf's Wisdom. Hey, this is Sandra interrupting your podcast listening. My darlings, last week when we were recording, my internet went down and so we had to come back into the conversation after we had already begun Wolf's Wisdom. So if you have, if there's any sort of... Um, continuity problems in our conversations they'll be very minimal but if you detect anything or a change of our tone or what have you that's the reason all right my darling let's so are we gonna pick up where it stopped last time yeah let's just start at um wolf's wisdom okay is that okay yeah, we'll just start it like like from the completely over. Yeah, because I, I can't remember where we stopped, but we we sort of we we talked about um, silks disguise, and but that's as far as we'd gone. Yeah, and that's right at the start. So yeah, so we'll just start it over. Like okay, but yeah, I was re um, for chapter three, the beginning. Like I was re thinking about how you had asked me earlier of what I thought about Silk and his different, you know, uh-huh. I don't know like costumes or something, disguises. Um, and as I was re-skimming it again today, like I, I really, I don't know, I really feel like he's being extremely humorous with this whole thing. Yeah, and okay. Just keep the conversation going because I'll put a little edit in to say, guess what happened? because there's a couple of moments where um it talks about how he says it dryly in a way but then you know polgara's kind of like one day your humor is going to get you in trouble yeah and he just seemed really playful with it was how he's talking about and you know also like the reason i'm choosing this one is because he has servants and this oh. is going to be my servant. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's got the disguise and, and that's noticed. And what well, the disguise? I like the way he talks about it. It's not really a disguise. It's a whole other persona that he puts on with just this couple of different articles of clothing. So he's dressed a bit finer. You know, it's described, you know, he's wearing a rich maroon doublet and a bag-like black velvet cap cocked jauntily over one ear so it's not so much the clothes I think but the that this whole change that he affects because sort of Mr Wolf says you know it's not a bad disguise and he sort of gets a bit like you know yeah it's like his whole persona it's not just a thing the name's important and you know Mm. you hold the hang the whole disguise on the name so I think yeah, he just, it's like he's playing dress up, but just loving it and owning the whole thing. Yeah, it shows the difference in, in the characters, especially him and Mr. Wolf, like what's important to them and what's not. Like Mr. Wolf's just kind of like blowing this whole thing off and, and Silk takes it very seriously. He's like, no, yes. this is how we're going to do it. This yes. is how we're going to get through. And um, yeah, it was... <laughs> 
<laughs> so he's a bit Reddick. Reddick of Boktor is the persona that Silk has taken on. The one he was wearing before was Ambar of Kotu, the spice merchant. So that's the disguise he's had till now. Now he's gone, he's turned into Radek of Boktor, which who is a man of substance. Um, you know, his, his name is, is, is well known as a good name in all the commercial centers and Radek is always accompanied by a servant. As yeah, servant. Right. So I guess him and Aunt Paul are <laughs> like the important people who each have three servants. Yeah, because Aunt Paul's like a servant. <laughs> you can't see me but my eyebrows are up near my hairline mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's almost like she uh, was about to get insulted but he quickly kind of like no I don't mean you of course not nobody would ever believe it <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, you could be my sister instead mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she's like she doesn't really much like that either and then he's like well you could be my mother <laughs> off to the like, on a pilgrimage to the um, monastery to atone for a colourful past. <laughs> right. And I, I think he's got some bravery to talk to her that way. Oh. But, like he almost got away without insulting her, but then he still did, but in a joking way, of course. Oh, he just does it on purpose. I'm sure he does. Yeah. But I think it's all in fun. Like he never means anything like harmful or. No, oh, he's well, sort of bit, it's almost, sometimes I think it's almost too, fl- it's like too flippant. It's covering something else. That's what it feels like. There's something there. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so. That's usually how it is with the overly comedic people uh-huh. in story. Yeah. Um, and then you come to find out what, what's underneath all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he's, he, he's right into the whole disguise change and wants to talk all about the intricacies and Mr. Wolf's just you know, whatever, let's just go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> oh, and the next thing is Dernick and the fire. So they're leaving and everything's packed on the horses and stuff. And, and um, Dernick is, oh, I just I forgot to put out the fire. Did you, what did you think of that um, little, with him and Wolf and, and Paul? Um, I felt that, you know, it's just his ways of being, making sure everything's covered. He's not leaving anything behind that could be harmful to anyone else. Or, But I think Aunt Paul standing up for him here with Mr. Wolf, and he's kind of like, what's up with this guy? This is an old ruin, you know, who cares? And then Aunt Paul kind of defends him a little bit. And I feel, to me, I feel like maybe... I don't know if it's a softness towards Dernick in a romantic way or if it's just that she really um, understands that Dernick's a very different person and so she feels an extra need to like put herself out there to defend him or something like that. Well, it's very Sindarian. It's a very Sindarian trait to do it properly, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure the fire's out because that's just what you do. I think Aunt Paul has a very deep connection to the Sendars. It feels like she just appreciates their um, ways, I think. Yeah, because she lived there for so long with Gary and I guess it would be... Yeah, I guess she took Gary in there, didn't she? Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting point, actually, the fact that she chose there to take Gary in. 
the middle of Sendaria. Right. Um, somewhere when she was feeling really vulnerable, I imagine, with a tiny baby needing to be safe, you would go some, I would go somewhere that I felt sure of, felt really secure in. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Everything's matter of fact there. The people are straightforward. There's nothing like hidden in the shadows, you know? Oh yeah, that's true. That is it. That, yeah, that is absolutely true. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So yeah, uh, Paul sticks up for him, which is, yes. We'll make mm -hmm. about what you will as you did. <laughs> um, and then, then there's a funny little moment where as Barrett gets on his horse. Right. <laughs> I like this. Because I feel like they're slowly, he's slowly just introducing Hedgehar's abilities here to talk to the horses little bits at a time, just in between. And then this one you know, it seems like he has this joke with the horse. So is it, it's Beric gets up on the horse and it's his horse that gives a look, right? Yeah. And then head to head to starts laughing. So yeah, I just, I enjoy that stuff. Yeah. Because so it's left, you, you don't know what, what's going on. It's just left up to you to like kind of. Yeah, exactly. The horse is just sort of throwing a guess. look at Hetta. And then the <laughs> Hetta's chuckled and Beric's like, what's going on? <laughs> Oh, the horse said something. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, so off they go. And as they're um, riding off, Leldoran pulls his horse in beside Garion and they ride together. And they start talking about Prince Keldar. Also known as Silk. <laughs> also known as Silk. Um, now known as Radek of Boktor. Right. And he's like, is, is, uh, he wants to know from Gary and if he's always so very complicated and Garion's, you know, explains that he's a spy and he's very devious and clever and he's, Oh yes, yes. He's very complicated. And Leldoran gets excited when he hears that he's a spy and he's really good at, you know, disguises and that sort of thing. And he's very um, good at planning. You know, he talks about Silk having things in place along the way. So that the disguise is effective and, yeah, <clears throat> it's almost like a kind of admiration that Leldoran's developing for Silk in this conversation, I felt. Okay. He, he reacts in a way, he's like, wow, he really covers everything, doesn't he? You know, it's not everybody can do that kind of thing. No. And, and yes, it does. And I think it's to the end that Leldoran thinks that Silk will be able to help them in their search for Garion's parents' murderers. Mm -hmm. I wonder too if it has, which we find out later at the end of this, if it's if he if Leldoran thinks maybe Silk could even help him with what he's planning. Oh, interesting. Leldoran and his people. Interesting. Well, I yeah, because I suppose he's not really the kind of person who would just extract himself completely. Like it's still going on, and he'd still like to be there. Like he'd leave the party if he hadn't been committed to this thing with Mister Wolf and the rest of them. He wouldn't, he would, he's already tried to get out of it, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but it, yeah, that's a good point that he um, would want, you know, well, I mean, he says that he would use this, like he, we can use this skill of Silk so that we can mm. find who killed your parents. Yeah, he could teach us some and, stuff. And I, but I think the, the main point of this exchange is that 
it lets Gary and know that however flighty Lelderin seems, he doesn't forget anything, you yeah. know. So he might seem like he doesn't hold on to an idea, but he does. Mm -hmm. So then they move into like the, they get the sacks or whatever they're supposed to pick up, right? To the make packs, it believable. Yeah. yeah, the packs of, so they are believable of who they really are. And then it's at this point when they continue on the road that they spot the surf. Well, Gary and sees the surf. the surf. Yeah. So for a little bit of, you know, if, if you're looking at the maps, they're on the Great West Road, which is a Tolnidrin highway running through the heart of the forest of, um, where are they now? Arendia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then Gary and sees the surf. And so you, you talk about this. I I really like this exchange because I um, really sympathize with Gary and in this conversation. Like it's, he seems a little bit offended that Leldren didn't even notice the surf. Like, mm -hmm. how could you not see him? He was standing right there on the side of the road. And Leldren is kind of just easily brushes it off. He's like, that's just the way it is. You know, the taxes and people who are lower down are lower down and they don't, you know, they don't have food and other things that they need yeah because Garen's um, like is it really necessary to keep them so poor mm -hmm. yeah and, and I think Lelderan's point of view is just like I mean that's the way it is there's nothing I can do about it well Garen, more than that though he blames the membrates membrate taxes and that covers everything that covers everyone's woes according to Lelderan yeah yeah but so Garen tries to kind of speak up of like it doesn't have to be this way but Meldrin is just really to me he just seemed like he just keeps brushing it off like it's nothing like stop yeah. talking about it yeah um, but but Garyan seems to be really bothered like by this he's like I'm never going to understand why you see it this way because and Meldrin's like no well naturally not you're not a rendish <laughs> yeah which also offends Garyan yeah Garyan seems to be, he's quite angry like he has to clench his, his teeth and holds back his reply it shows the difference in the culture between Sendaria, where he was, where Garion was brought up, and Arendia. And they're, they're like right next door to each other on the map. Mm -hmm. You think that uh, they'd be more like closely aligned. Yeah. So I've never thought about that. That's interesting, though, that they're so, so uh, different. The peoples are so different. But I guess, I mean, I live in Europe and they can't, like, yeah, I guess when I think about different countries, because I'm from Australia, all the other countries are so far away and Australia is such a big country all by itself mm -hmm. that when I think of a different country, that is my frame of reference for a different country is that as an Australian in Australia away from all the other countries. So there's, there's a sense of distance and complete separateness between one country and another. And so even though I now live in Europe and all of the countries could fit inside Australia a couple of times, I still have like, that's what I grew up with until I was 40 years old. So you, I, every, when I think of a different country, it's still this sense of distance and separateness. And so when I think, I, I, I guess that's why I've never really thought about how close these the, the places are on the map in the stories because well, of the different country yep makes sense they're totally different people 
Yeah, I mean, it does make sense now that you bring it into like this world because the United States is extremely different from Mexico, which mm-hmm. is right, right below us. And then yeah. Canada is not as drastically different, but it is. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's so yeah, that's <laughs> interesting little aside into yeah. my head. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So now they're like um, looking for a place to stay for the night. Like Aunt Pole, she suggests like we need to get moving because I'm not going to sleep. Like I get the vibe like I'm not sleeping outside. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Where are we going to sleep tonight? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Lelderum pipes up and says he's got an uncle that lives not far and he'll probably, he's sure to give us shelter. So uh, Mr. Wolf, he, he, he Lelderum names him Count Reldigan. And then Mr. Wolf sort of pipes up like he knows him. Hasn't seen him for 20 years, but um, he used to be quite a hothead. And Lelderon's like, oh, no, you must have him confused with someone else, Belgrath. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, off they go to um, Lelderon's uncle's house. And then it's on the way there that Silk has a one-on-one talk with uh, Gary and Ray about yeah, Lelderon. It's a very short exchange, but it's quite important, I think. It's another one of those... Those little um, big brother, little brother, or uncle, you know, mentor mentee exchanges that Silk and Gary are tending to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like uh, Silk's being a little bit protective here, like just making sure that Gary is not putting himself in an unne- any unnecessary trouble by saying something he shouldn't to Lelderin. Oh, uh, is that what you? Is that how you see it? Yeah, because he, um, where is it that he says, like, he starts off with, like, he's kind of beating around the bush with this thing, and then Garion just says, if you have something to say, just say it. And so this is where Silk says, like, don't let friendship get the better of your good sense. Arendi is a very dangerous place, and the errands tend to blunder into disaster quite regularly. Don't let your exuberant young companion drag you into something that's none of your business. Yeah. Garen's response is, I'll be careful. And so I know uh, Silk's a little bit like sarcastic after this, but I feel like his warning was real. Like he really feels that Garen could get himself in danger if he goes off in, into one of Lelderen's like mm, yes. And it just it really shows how closely Silk watches Garen. Mm-hmm. Like, for whatever reason, maybe that's just part of the way he is as a spy and someone who notices and is an observer of everything around him. Yeah. I think so. I think he's just a really observant person. I think he's that observant of everybody else in the party too, not just Gary. And, and he's so oh. he's super aware of the politics of every situation that they go into. So there's that as well. Like, he would be aware of the, you know, the tensions in any area that they go into. Yeah. Okay, and then they get to the house and it's described as just like a, a solid sort of fort with big strong <laughs> turrets and battlements and, oh, excuse me, I burped. Huh. <laughs> uh, that's okay, I did that a couple weeks ago. Lovely. We're all friends here. Um, <laughs> you know, strong turrets and battlements at each corner and the gate this describes the gate as being no no the, the house made of whole tree trunks squared off and strapped together with iron bands 
So it's like a big brooding pile. And just Gary, and this is from Garion's point of view, it's just like really ugly. Yeah, it sounds like it. And he says to Silk, it's not very pleasant looking. But it, it sort of silk, silk sort of says, you know, it's not bad to have a strong house because they fight a lot here. And little neighbourhood spits can get out of hand. And then yeah. when they get off their horses, Silk advises them all to just move carefully. No quick moves once we're inside because there'll be archers watching us, you know. Don't want to get yeah, a little, a little paranoid. I guess, because of the environment they live in. <laughs> so, again, this sort of is a, building a portrait of Erin's as a people. Mm-hmm. And then C- Count Reldigan comes out, with her, and he's, he's a man who limps with a cane. Leldrin and he greet each other, and they're all very formal. And then... Um, he asks if he can if he can be introduced to his friends, and Mister Wolf pushes his hood back and steps forward, and they already know each other. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know learn how they know each other. I'm sure Mister Wolf knows a lot of people, but yeah, I guess so. Still, <laughs> I'd like to know how they know each other. But yeah, and it's just this little hint of another life. I and I like I do like it when that happens in the story. Because it makes it, it really fleshes out the world. It's not just this story, this adventure. There have been things that have happened before that we don't know about, and they've had lives that you know. And just little things like this, I really it makes it more real for me. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good a good way to do it because that's something I know with my writing. It, it's not easy for me to find ways to expand the world beyond like where I'm at so that's a good point that's a good way to do it <laughs> and you, know, you know the the I think part of the reason is um, I find it easier if I've done a lot of um, character development scene development just off the page like as a, a in preparation to write the story and so if I know that there's that there it gives me this sense that this little this sort of stuff gives me like there's they, they've had lives before I know what their lives have been like and then the challenging thing is to put stuff like this on the page in the story and trust my reader mm-hmm. right the first <laughs> book I wrote when I went back to rewrite it I realized I was telling them the reader way too much yeah uh, and it was like it makes it really cheesy and, and not really good. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a, and it really is an exercise in self-trust, like trusting yourself as a writer. Yeah. Um, because you're so, because I get, you know, I want to make sure that my reader's not missing out on, you know, this is an important bit. They need to understand this bit so they can understand this other thing that I want to put in there. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's a really been, um, a process to take out the obvious stuff and I'm real I'm that's what's happening on this revision I'm doing to um Afri's earth I'm taking out whole sentences that are just there because I was scared to trust my reader Mm -hmm. and I, I don't need them there the dialogue does the trick 
the way the person's acting does gives them the information they need. If they're reading the story, they'll understand. I don't need to spell it out for them. Yeah, exactly. That was my, my thing is I would have the character would say exactly what, what needed to be said. Then the following sentence would be like me explaining why they said that. Yes, exactly right. Rather than sort of saying, you know, body language in or the, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I think that he does a good job with this by showing little blips of a previous life. Yes, more. there's more to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're kind of they greet they're, they're obviously friends because they greet each other very warmly, and then everyone goes inside out of the cold. It's hinted at um, that Count Reldigan used to be uh, quite a hothead, and he he's settled down quite a bit in his old age. And um, they go in. There's lots of books and stuff, and Mister Wolf's like books, Reldigan. <laughs> you have mellowed, my friend. Right. And then they introduce, he, Wolf introduces Pogara. And after that, <laughs> it's then that two young men burst into the room arguing. Berentane and Torrison. Right. How'd okay, you go so with this these part, two? This, so I, I understand they're cousins. One is the son, not the, the son of his wife's, of, of Rel, what's his name? Reldigan? Count Reldigan. His uh, wife's sister, right? Yep. So Torreson is his son. Boys. Yeah. Torreson is Reldigan's son and Berentain is his nephew. Right, but it's not like from his side. It's from his wife's side. The son of my late but... wife's brother. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, so it's a nephew by marriage. And so... One of them is one of them a membrane? Is that what it is or not? Uh, no, so they come in there, they're arguing and carrying on. And Relligan's like, I had to take their swords away this, you know, the day that Berentain arrived to stay. <laughs> they're arguing politics all the time. I'll ex- shall I explain it now or do you want me to wait for later? Yeah, you can explain it. I was a little confused when they're they're arguing because one's imitating like a membrane, yeah, right? Yeah. So, and we find out later on in the chapter that Berentain is imitating membrane speech, which is lots of these and thous, and it's a much more formal way of speaking. Okay, now I make, now that makes sense. Um, and the reason for that is because he has no land holding of his own and he's in love with a baron's daughter and the baron's not going to give him the time of day unless he has something to bring, you know, with him, mm-hmm. something of value. So he's hoping that by sucking up to the membranes and imitating them, he will get some kind of gift or grant or something out of that that he can then um have his own piece of land or something so that's well that's the explanation that torison gives whether it's true or not who knows (laughs) okay yeah so it's clear that they get on each other's nerves and then um wolf introduces silk and what do you think of the way he reacts to being called your highness it's clear that he doesn't like it it's clear that (laughs) He's like, I, you know, he says I've left that behind and I don't want to be reminded of it by being called your highness. So something must have happened clearly that has 
left him feeling like an aversion to this life he used to have. He doesn't want to be part of it anymore or something like that. That's what I feel. Okay. Okay. So then they all go into dinner and um, have a nice relaxing dinner. And then Aunt Paul really would like to know if he has a bathtub in the house. And she goes off to bathe. (laughs) And she makes a snippy little remark at um, Mr. Wolf sort of teases her about, you know, just let her bathe, Reldigan. Her temperature deteriorates. Her temper deteriorates quite noticeably when she thinks she's getting dirty. And, and Aunt Paul's a bit snippy at him. Well, you know, bath wouldn't hurt you either. You're getting a bit stinky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, he seemed, it says that he was hurt by that, which is kind of odd. I don't <laughs> like, know oh, why. But he looked a bit injured. Oh, oh like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> so then this is where it gets interesting towards the end because they all are shown to their rooms. Um, yeah, but so Torison says, let me show you to your rooms. And he takes Lelderon and Garion. Yeah, so it's the three of them who are in the room together, right? Yeah, so they're walking to the bedrooms or wherever they're sleeping, climbing some stairs and walking down hallways and stuff. Lelderon, it, it, as it turns out, Lelderon and Torison know each other. Lelderon sort of calls him Tor, so they, they know each other quite well. He's calling him by a nickname. And he sort of says, your cousin's a bit weird. Torison's like, yeah, he's a jackass. He's just a complete wanker. Thinks he can impress the Mimbrace by imitating them. <clears throat> and um, so he really doesn't like his cousin. They have a little discussion about Mimbrates and how her, he hasn't got a chance of getting anything from them. They're too, you know, um, greedy and, you know, it's just that... So, so they're of one mind when it comes to Mimbrates, Torison and Lelderon, and they know each other. And mm-hmm. so, of course, what comes next? But Lelderon just blurts out that he has to talk with you, Tor. I have to talk with you. His voice drops to a whisper. So that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> right. Starts off with like him just saying that he's now committed to Belgrath's service. So whatever they had in the plans he can't be part of and he's asking him like can you he basically he doesn't even try to hide it he's just like hey can you kill this guy go kill this guy without me you know well it's not just this guy did you recognize the name well i don't recognize the name but i know the king right that's the king the king of which astoria okay (laughs) so yeah they're gonna kill the king is the plan. And so immediately Torison is like panicking because Garion's in the room. But Lelderin is just like, no, he's my friend. He can hear all of this. Well, Garion's like, Garion can't wait to get away. He's like, no, 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 that's fine. I, I don't want to la, 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 not listening, not listening. He just doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to know about any of it. Lelderin's insists. Yeah. He like grabs his arm and says, no, 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 you're staying here as a proof of my trust. You are my friend. Right. <laughs> He's always forcing his friendship on Gary. It does seem like that, doesn't <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, then they, then Lelderon just fills him in on the whole plan. That it's not just that they're going to kill the king, but they're going to be dressed as Tolnedrin. What are they? Legionnaires. 
legionnaires. Mm-hmm. So that they're going to basically start a war between these two people, right? That's the thing. So then they're going to kill him and frame the Tolnedrans for it. Then once war is declared, the Tolnedran Empire will crush the Mimbrates um, and Mimber will be destroyed and Asturia will be free. So they're seeing it like as they're, they're, they're thinking of themselves very much as the, um, the rebels, you know, winning back their country that these other people have taken over, which is not true, but that's how they see it. Mm-hmm. And then we hear about Natchak. Um, Torreson gets very upset that Lelderin's blurted all of this out and told someone, you know, told Garion, says, Natchak will have you killed. We've been sworn to secrecy on a blood oath. And Lelderin says, tell the Murgo that I spit on his oath. So here we go again. That sounds a little dangerous to make that kind of a statement. That I spit on his oath. And Tor- Torreson's just, just losing his shit. You know, he's providing the gold. Um, we need the good red gold to buy the uniforms and the swords and strengthen the backbones of our weaker friends. And Lelderin's just like, whatever, I don't need them. If they're not going to do it for love, we don't need anger at gold, you know. And then Garion, everything's sort of clicking over in Garion's mind now. And he, then he starts talking to them. What did you think of this? Yeah, it was interesting because he is obviously, he's been absorbing everything and he remembers a lot from what he's experienced. So he's tying it all together. And the when he was in Cherik, the... Earl of Jarvik. So was it, see, I can't even remember, but Gary and is. But that, so was it the Earl of Jarvik that took the gold? Yep, so he was the one who was beheaded. He was the he was okay. the one who got uh, charged with treason at the end and beheaded. <clears throat> you know, and Garion sort of says, you know, he also took Murgo gold and plotted to kill a king. So, you know, we have yeah. this same story repeating. And the two, Torreson and Leldoran, are just kind of looking at Garion, what's mm-hmm. going on? <clears throat> and Garion's really um, observant or, and, and, it ends up like he sort of talks about what happens to a country when you kill its king. It doesn't matter how bad it was before. When you take away, when you do something like that, it, it everything goes to hell in a handbasket for a while. Everything falls apart. If I was a Mergo, that's the kind of mess that I'd want in the West, mm-hmm. you know, at the moment. And this is where I think it's interesting because Garion's saying this thing. Mm-hmm. But it talks about the fact that he's listening to his own voice almost in amazement. And there's a dry, dispassionate quality in there that he instantly recognised. Right. It's that same voice that would come to him in his mind before, but now he's actually, like, speaking with it. It's, like, it's becoming more powerful, I guess, inside of him. Yeah, so that... uh, because how else would a boy who's never seen war know what killing a king would do to countries? That's an interesting, how, an interesting comment. How indeed. Mm-hmm. So this he continues on, like explaining. Yeah. This so this is just dry this, this dry voice. And so it's been referred to before as the dry voice. And so it's, well, it's never spoken directly to anyone before. 
It's always been inside his mind, though. He's been aware of it forever, you know, telling him he's being stupid or yeah. um, foolish or whatever. Since he has uh, had a, an experience with seeing somebody who, you know, was getting paid with Ingrac gold, what it did to that person. And he heard the stories, you know. So he's explain, he explains to these guys, it's not exactly the best idea to take this gold mm. to complete this, you know, whatever you're trying to do here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of, and it's, that's, that's been happening, like there's been references to red Mergo gold from right at the start. Remember the, the penny at the spice shop yeah. that Belgrade switched? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's something, it almost seems like there's something magical about the gold that corrupts right. and makes you want more of it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it almost feels like as soon as, as soon as you touch it, yeah, you're cursed in a way. Well, that's what it feels like. It feels like it just sort of, and it's, I, I like the image that it builds of the people that it comes from. So Mergo gold corrupts from the inside and maybe that's why it's the color of blood. Mm-hmm. So I just, I really like, it's a beautiful layer into the Mergo personality, I think, and the Mergo people as a whole. Okay. I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about them yet, so I'm trusting you on that. <laughs> and then, so he finishes, um, Garion finishes talking about it, and Lelder and his cousin are looking a bit troubled. And Garion's like, well, I'm not going to say anything about it. You know, you told me in confidence, and I shouldn't have heard anyway, but, you know, just have a think about what's going on in the world at the moment. It's not just you. And he's just like, I think I'd like to go to sleep now. So show me where my bed is <laughs> and you can talk about it all night if you like. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the the ending of that. And then I right here, the last paragraph is so, I mean, so they talk about, he talks about the dry voice. He's aware that the dry voice is there, but then he, Gary and himself kicks in again and he thinks, you know, he's handled the situation quite well. And he's at least yeah. planted a few doubts. And so he sort of takes ownership of the wisdom of the dry voice that came out of his mouth that just, you know, before he's like aware that it's not really like it's, it's always been there, but it's. Yeah. I guess it'd be hard to keep it separate from you too. If it's coming yeah. from you. Yeah. You know, your voice, your words, your mouth is moving and those words are coming out. And yeah, and I guess it's just that, that, you know, there's mind voices that we have, we all have all the time mm-hmm. and they're not separate from us. They're part of us. So one of them, he's just letting one of them come out his mouth now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> End yeah. of chapter. Good end. Cool. Yeah. So. Did you like that one? I did. I liked um, how it ended, especially. I liked that part, and then I liked um, Silk in this chapter again. Mm-hmm. I think he's still my favorite character. <sighs> okay. <sighs> I was just trying to think of a hashtag before I moved on. <laughs> and forgot. Mm. Oh, something about the horse. Something about the horse and Heta and Varric. So then the magic in this chapter... 
What's your pick for magic? Um, I actually picked the fact that Hetar had an inside joke with the horse. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> because that was really funny to me. Yeah. Um, and I like the way he kind of left you hanging on, like you don't know what was really said. And I picked um, the dry voice in Garion's mind. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't know, probably because I... I I do a lot of work with kind voice and unkind voice with people. Right. And I actually, um, I have a closed group on Facebook called your kind voice. And I call my holistic therapy practice, your kind voice. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because of the way we talk to ourselves, that has so much to do with um, everything, our spiritual health, our physical health, our emotional health. Yeah. Right. Definitely so that just speaks to me, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And what's your real life relating this week? Let's see, I put... <clears throat> oh, right, right. So it's the scene of Garion when he notices the surf standing on the side of the road and then he's irritated of kind of like how Lelzerin is is reacting to it all. He's like, that just doesn't make any sense. Like, why do you not care about this person more? It's almost how I feel Garion is reacting in that situation. And uh, that's how I kind of spent a lot of my early early adulthood, uh, teenage years even, of feeling like, why does nobody like see that this is a problem? Like if it's whether it's with the government or what a job I was at or something like that, everybody would just go about like, yeah, oh, it's just the way it is. Or I'd be the one to be like, this isn't right. Like, why is nobody fighting for this? Like fighting against this. And so I just really felt Gary in that instance. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, mine. Oh, I was paying attention to my intuition. And I guess this ties into the, the dry voice that came mm-hmm. out of Garion's mouth um, because when I'm really plugged into my intuitive space and what I call spirit, uh, occasionally the voice puff just falls out of my mouth <laughs> and I've had instances where I've like started reading people like at the, di- at that we've been out for dinner, you know, in a group, not strangers, like people I know. Well, not very mm-hmm. well. Sometimes I've just met them that night <laughs> and I'll just start reading them like doing a past life reading because I can see you know a past life layered at the top of them and it just sort of I, and when that happens it just bleh, it falls out of my mouth or I'll, they'll say something and I'll have a, an intuitive like yep knowing and I st- state something with such authority like it can't it's it, this is the way it is and I, I, I don't know where that comes from uh, but it feels beyond me and definitely beyond anything that I know. And it just falls out of my mouth. <laughs> That's interesting. Like to be able to read people like that. Yeah. And just see that there. Uh, I, I'd imagine that's gotta be, I would think it's like a powerful thing. It's like an extra sense. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the sixth sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. Yeah, so that was my, uh, and as much uh, as unreal as that is, that is my real life 
<laughs> relating <laughs> because it actually happens in my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's proof that it's, it is real stuff, you know, yeah. not just in fiction stories. Yeah, exactly. So uh, my prophecy speaks, prophecy speaks now, darlings. I'm doing it a little bit differently this week because when I was doing my notes up for the show, I wrote my question that I was going to ask, you know, cause I'm trying to be prepared and shit. Instead of getting here and going, Oh God, what question shall I ask tonight? What book shall I use? So here's my question. I'm going to read it out because I don't like the question. Anyway, I'm toying with the idea of cutting out butter and cheese. What does spirit think about that? <laughs> that's my question that was my question and then after I asked her I thought oh, okay well I'll use this book and I picked up this book that I've been had on my to be read pile for the longest time and it's called Fingersmith by Sarah Walters and I thought oh, like it's like it's just it's a novel it's it's just it's just a novel it's a historical novel what 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 on what the hell is it going to tell me about you know <laughs> and i flicked it open i ki- and i'm like oh i'll just have a flick through the pages and like is this the sort of text that's going to tell me anything and i flicked it open and this is what i read and it was so perfect that i thought no fuck it i'm going to just take that to the show and read it out because that's too friggin perfect for words ready yeah let's hear it I am hungry, but will not admit to it. But she rings for a girl to come, and the girl brings a biscuit and a glass of sweet red wine. She sets them down before me and smiles, and a smile is harder to bear somehow than a slap would have been. I am afraid I will weep again, but I swallow my tears with my dry biscuit, and the girl and Mrs. Stiles stand together, whispering and watching. Then they leave me quite alone. The room grows dark. I lie upon the sofa with my head upon a cushion and pull my own little cloak over myself with my own little whipped red hands. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, really? I can't have butter and cheese anymore. I don't like that answer. I don't like it at all. (laughs) Yeah. Butter and cheese are probably some of the hardest things to cut out. I remember when I was trying to stop dairy, I was able to quit every other form of dairy, but cheese took me longer. Cheese especially. So I just uh, have dry biscuit. Yeah. So you know anyway, they, but I just thought that hang on. They make some really good vegan butter. I the, know. The cheese is, is kind of eh. But the butter is really good. No, I do know. Like I've been doing lots of research into um, um, because I'm a, I'm a bit of a kitchen. Well, I'm a kitchen witch, and I do a lot of baking and cooking. And we're already a gluten free household and a lot of dairy free stuff because my girlfriend can't have milk, like cow milk or goat milk or anything, and um, makes her sick. 
Yeah. And we've done some testing and she can't have cheese. We know she can't have cheese. It gives her pain in the stomach. And so I've been researching um, making cashew cheese and vegan parmesan and mozzarella. And so I've got some recipes that I'm going to try. I'll let you know how that goes. And so, you know, I'm already going to be doing it for her. So I'm not going to like separate meals and cook different meals or anything like that. That would be fairly stupid, I think. So I will just eat what I make. And so it's going to happen anyway. (laughs) Well, it'll make it easier. The fact that she hasn't been able to consume dairy for a while, but I think it'll be easier that she's already there, you know, and she's not eating it and you're trying to stop. Yep. So, well, it'll just be like when we run out of what we've got, I just, we just won't buy anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> so, there we go. Okay. Okay. I'm going to in ovaries. Uh... Is it? Coming up on your cycle? <laughs> yes, I'm due to start my period fairly soon. Uh, ah, that's hurting. Okay. Uh, uh, your turn. Okay. <laughs> uh, for my prophecy, I, I, I decided to ask the question, and I've literally been toiling over this for the last week um, because I also talked to my other friend that I confide in with this kind of stuff and she's really like encouraging me, pushing me like, yeah, 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 let's, you know, just do it, just do it. But I've been still feeling this pull to create, I don't know if it's meant to be like here locally or something online, but a a workshop to work with children on storytelling. Mm Um, and the, the whole focus is using your creativity and imagination in a world that's so easily just swiping left and right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my question really is like, can I, can I really do this? Like I still have this urge in me so strongly. So how can I do it without pushing my writing to the side? Cause I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But also, like, how am I supposed to really spread the word and get people to enroll in something like this? Because I'm still fighting the urge to, like, okay, post on Meetup or something. Mm-hmm. If this is a thing and have people come and teach it live, like, that terrifies me. I've never taught any group of people anything before. Mm-hmm. So I'd really like to to keep it online and I understand that's like playing it safe kind of thing but anyways I just want some clarity on all of that Mm -hmm. um I'm using the book the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz because this book changed the way I see my day-to-day life like in a way that's magical yep but I feel like it'll have some good guidance and I'm just using my kindle to swipe without looking Okay, here we go. Um, We also make assumptions about ourselves and this creates a lot of inner conflict. I think I'm able to do this. That's in quotation marks. Mm -hmm. You make this assumption, for instance, then you discover you aren't able to do it. 
You overestimate or underestimate yourself because you haven't taken the time to ask yourself questions and to answer them. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you need to gather more facts about a particular situation, or maybe you need to stop lying to yourself about what you truly want. Okie dokie. <laughs> That's fairly blunt. Yeah, I think so. How does that feel? It's good. I'm going to go and reread it again on my own and like meditate on it. But yeah. I, I think it is just like I'm either overestimating or underestimating myself right now. And I don't know which one it is, which is exactly why I'm torn. Okay, so is that the thing you took away from that? Not all of it. I think there's layers to this one. Yeah. Um, I think that I might. Yeah, I need to gather more facts. Okay. I don't think I need to gather more facts. I need to just sit with it a little bit longer. The fact that I think that because it's the fact that you really want to do it, you have this driving passion, but there are reasons why you're not letting yourself do it. And so maybe explore those questions, ask yourself those questions, and then go into it in contemplation or meditation or journaling or something like that. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to do that when we get off the call. All right, so the next chapter. Yes, please. Prediction. Go. I think that Garion is going to start maybe like poking a little bit more at this voice that's coming out of him to figure out where it's coming from. Or maybe he's going to just take it on as himself. Um, and then more tensions will arise at the uncle's home before they leave. So whether that's the people who are already there something is going to rise between them or there's going to be some type of a threat that comes to the house. Okay, then. Cool. We shall see. Yep. Hmm. Oh, so I was going to check in with my hives from last week. Okay. For the prophecy. Yeah. So the advice that Spirit gave me last week was to drive my own way and not look back. And I started doing that more and my itches have had virtually gone and then I started not driving my own way and they came back. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's, that is it in the works. I mean. Uh, Yep, yep, yep. You keep driving your own way. I will, I will. Well, that's it. That's the end of another chapter of Bulgarian and Beyond. We'll be back with chapter, what are we up to? Chapter four next week. Yep, we'll be on chapter four. Queen of Prophecy. No, Queen of Sorcery. I'm tired. Sorry, guys. Yeah, all <laughs> your energy just kind of went boom. I did. I just that's hit, that's I've that's hit the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so well, the hashtag. The hashtag we decided on was horse humor. Yeah, so horse humor. 
because that was funny. And yeah. um, so if you'd like to contact us, you can go to our website, belgarrettandbeyond.goddesskindle.com and you'll find all of the show notes and links to our various projects and um, contact details there. Um, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bill Garrett and Beyond. Um, the links will be in the show notes. Yeah. And also on iTunes, if you can leave a rating or review, more people can find us that way. We'd really appreciate it. That would be really nice. And so, yeah, see you around the socials, my darlings. I'm so tired. I just feel my energy dribbling out my ears. That's what it feels like. Yeah. So we'll let you guys go and let Sandra go to bed. <laughs> yes, please. Or I might go and just watch okay. the Lucifer. Ooh. <laughs> I just watched season three of Stranger Things. Ooh. Well, I haven't watched I haven't watched Stranger Things at all because I wasn't allowed to because I tend to get nightmares at scary stuff. But I watched like the trailer for Stranger Things, like for the new season. And I'm like, oh, that looks fucking awesome. I wanna watch that. So Hanukkah's already watched it and she's not really a repeat watcher. So I thought if I watch it in the daytime and just one episode at a time, no binging. You say that. (laughs) You're like, oh, I'm just going to watch one more. Oh, there's one more. But I'll tell you what, like my five and nine-year-olds both watched it. My nine-year-old did get a little scared, but my five-year-old was fine. Which was ironic. I thought it'd be the other way. Well, um, but no, it's not scary. Uh, it, no, it's sci-fi. It's sci-fi tension scary. Well, it's so I think that I think that it just looks like a really cool story. It's really so. Scary. I want to try and watch it because it just looks really good. But it I is. can't. I just can't do the horror kind of stuff. And Hanukkah really likes horror movies and stories and i don't do horror either i i just i just get i just can't do it i like but but i love things like supernatural and things that have like supernatural themes and let me ask you did you watch x-files yeah i loved x-files then you'll love stranger things stranger things is more on an x-files level than any kind of horror Okay, cool. Okay, so thank you. I will be watching Stranger Things. I'm gonna, I'll watch an episode this week and let you know how it goes. Yeah, you have to message me. Watch you one episode it. or ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me know. <laughs> All right, everyone. See you next week. Bye. Cool. Okay. <clears throat> oh, sorry, I just hit a wall. Bang. <laughs> it's okay. It's probably your um the night before. I know the night before. One time, the night before my period started, I was like, "Why am I so tired?" And the next morning, I woke up and I was like, "Oh, well, that makes sense now." Okay. Yeah, and I feel that dis. I get a, like a disconnected, kind of spacey, dreamy state of being going on when I've got my period and that I can feel it like 
I can feel myself floating away. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll let you go float away. <laughs> okay, my darling. 